Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast, brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Each month, this podcast tackles the topics that are important to pulse crop farmers, including market opportunities for your crop, market access and trade policy developments, innovative agronomic approaches, transportation for Canadian crops, and a whole lot more. My name is Andrea Lauder, Communications Manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, and today I'm talking with Chuck Penner, President with Leftfield Commodity Research based in Winnipeg. We're going to talk about how the Canadian pulse market fared this growing season in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll take a look at what the future holds for global demand for Canadian pulses as well. Thanks for joining us today, Chuck. Glad to be here. Great. Well, first of all, Chuck, I just wanted to ask you, how are pulses across Canada looking as they're coming off the field? Well, for the most part, uh, pretty they're looking pretty good. Uh, you know, it's especially if you compare it to last year. Last year was just dismal um, when you uh, when you look at all of the wet conditions and extreme delays in the harvest. Uh, this year is looking far better. Uh, but even when you compare it to average harvest progress over over the last ten years, let's say, uh, this year is is probably still ahead of that by a little bit, uh, and that makes uh, buyers, make farmers, make everybody a little bit happier when you're not having to slog through the mud or you're not having to uh, deal with, with terrible looking crops and uh, uh, things that are stained and moldy and, and all of those kind of things. So yeah, it's been, it's been a much better season and, uh, and that means um, it, it certainly has an impact on quality. Uh, we're really hearing no complaints about uh, color and about stain and uh, dirt tag and those kind of things in the crops, for the most part, uh, very good. And I mean, there's a couple of exceptions. Uh, one of them is uh, related to size of chickpeas. Uh, we heard some comments about that in the last few weeks that that they, they tend to be smaller, uh, but the sample itself looks lighter and cleaner. And uh, so overall, I think it's a, it's a much better situation. Um, when we look at some of the yields, um, it, you know, the recent weather anyway has been uh, hasn't had as much of an effect. Uh, StatsCan has come out with some some production estimates lately, uh, a couple of production estimates lately, and they are based on satellite vegetation images. So they're not farmer uh, farmers answering surveys. So you know, there's still a little bit of question about that, but uh, for the most part, uh, the weather seems to seem to provide a uh, some very good yields or some decent yields anyway. Uh, although one of the common refrains that, that we're hearing is that it it looked like it would be even better yet uh, than when the when the combine started rolling, the yields were not quite what uh, some had hoped for. So I think that um, people were expecting some very very high yields, uh, and they came in as. Uh, good yields, uh, you know, if we, if we want to generalize. So some good yields, but not exceptional yields. Uh, the, uh, the the crop of uh, lentils, uh, I think StatsCan has has that number a little bit too high still, uh, based on, again, what we're hearing from, uh, from scattered sources there. Uh, I think what we're seeing is, um, is crops that are, uh, again, looking, the quality is looking pretty good. But um, and I drove through Saskatchewan in, in early August uh, and saw a number of issues related to diseases uh, that I think took more yields out of the out of the crop than what those vegetation maps might uh, vegetation 
uh, images from satellites might uh, probably be looking at um, a, a sizable increase in the lentil crop, but I think when we get the final numbers back in final production numbers back from StatCan in early December, we're going to see that uh, come down a little bit. Uh, for peas, uh, StatCan came out with a, a pretty big production estimate uh, in at the end of August, uh, but then about two weeks later, the next production estimate dropped that significantly. Uh, and so now the supply situation for peas is, you know, you know, it looked earlier like it would be expanding considerably. Now it's basically about the same size of supplies as we had last year. And um, so that shifts a lot of focus now uh, to the demand side, and that's going to determine, you know, whether prices do what they did last year or what they, um, uh, you know, if they're going to do something completely different this year. Um, when we look at um, uh, chickpeas, uh, again, I think the yields were fairly decent. We heard a lot of um, disease concerns, uh, just reports, scattered reports of some significant disease concerns. Um, but but now that the crop is coming off, uh, some pretty good uh, yield results. Again, the sizes, the calibers of the of the chickpeas are likely on the smaller side, but overall uh, some pretty favorable results there as well too. Um, when it comes to fabas, uh, that one I, I haven't heard a whole lot yet. Um, there was some concern that the frost that we got in early may have damaged some fabas, but I don't think it was a, it was the main areas where fabas were grown that that faced that. So uh, they've had a couple of years of um, two short growing seasons, uh, and then a frost did damage the crop. This year, I think they might come through, and so probably averaged, maybe slightly above average yields for faba beans. Uh, soybeans, there's a there's a little bit of a um, disagreement. I think there's there's some disappointment with the yields on soys as well too. And although you know that in terms of the effect on the market. Uh, Canadian soybean, especially Western Canadian soybean, uh, aren't going to really have much of a, a large impact on on global markets. There's there's much bigger things going on in the uh, soybean market. And then the last one would be dry beans. And for that one, again, last year the 2019 crop was absolutely dismal. Um, you know, farmers were trying to muck their beans out of the mud, and uh, so this year is is far better. Uh, in Western Canada and in and in Ontario as well too, uh, so we had a sharp increase in acreage, and I think we'll see a sharp increase in yields as well too. So the dry bean crop will be up uh, considerably, and uh, and also in the U.S. Uh, whether that will have a a, um, a depressing price a def- depressing effect on the market, um, uh, we're still we're still what's going on there, um, but. For most of these crops, um, they went into this year uh, with extremely low supplies. Uh, soybeans would be the exception. Chickpeas would be another exception. But for peas and lentils and dry beans, uh, there was almost nothing left over from last year. So there really needed to be a big crop response. And so uh, it's it's very um, positive that we're seeing uh, you know, some some good yields and then also some very good quality. Thanks for the really comprehensive rundown on all of the crops, Chuck. So do you think that there will be a lot of opportunity for new crop pulses to head straight into the market from this harvest? 
Yeah, especially for the the ones that have, you know, the, the peas and the lentils and the dry beans, uh, where the market was really running on fumes toward the end of 2019-20. What we're already seeing, and we can see it in, the, in some official data already, is that the flow of, of peas and lentils into the elevator system, they're being pulled into the elevator system uh, actually at, at record or near record levels. So we're, we're already starting with an extremely uh, strong movement. Um, last year, because of the harvest delays, it took longer to get the crop into the system. This year, that's not so much of an issue. But even, even aside from that, um, we're seeing some huge movement of, of peas uh, and lentils especially, and, and I would assume dry beans now that they're coming off, um, moving into the system. And so there are... Um, typically, what we do is we watch uh, seasonal prices. We we tend to watch those fairly closely, so there's always a dip at harvest time, uh, or, and sometimes that that low can be extended. Uh, this year, what we're seeing is a pretty sharp recovery, uh, a bounce back, if you will, from those low uh, low seasonal prices, you know, that happen at harvest time, and the fact that those prices are moving higher, even even while the harvest was still going on, and even while farmers were delivering large volumes. Um, that says something not just about uh, supply situation, but it means that there's some very good demand already, uh, you know, very early in the season. So, um, you know, for example, to give an example, um, in the first six weeks of the year, we've probably moved already almost 20 to 25% uh, of the of the the lentil harvest or lentil supplies uh, into the market already. So um, it's a lot. So that means there's less to go around uh, for the rest of the year. So that's positive price-wise. Okay. I want to expand a little bit on that um, because I think we all saw that demand for pulses was really good during um, some of the COVID-19 lockdowns. And we saw that farmers adjusted their seeding intentions accordingly uh, would you what would what crop would you say had the biggest movement? Well, I think it's it would have been I think we would have you have to say that it would be lentils uh, and to a large degree uh, red lentils. Although no, well, I shouldn't say that greens were also moving exceptionally strongly, um, and it's always a little difficult to attribute it to let's say um, to mainly COVID. I think it was certainly an impact, uh, but what we also saw was that um, that India. Uh, finally kind of re-entered the market for lentils. And so uh, in early summer, uh, India dropped its tariff from 30%, its import tariff, 30% to 10%. And that triggered just a, an amazing run of, um, of lentil exports. We had we were having a decent season till then, uh, but uh, it was a final uh, quarter of the year, it was a record uh, movement in terms of the final quarter of the year, and so we saw prices moving higher, um, especially for lentils. Uh, peas did turn higher as well too, uh, but uh, it was really in the case of, uh, I think lentils would be the star of the show, uh, and largely it was because India re-entered the market. And what that also did was uh, uh, other countries that normally buy lentils you know, we're thinking, okay, there's lots of, there's going to be lots out there, and you know, we'll have no problem maintaining our supplies for the rest of the year. And then suddenly, India jumped into the market, and then 
that forced these other countries to also jump back into the market and say, wait a minute, we better we better get some before they run out. Um, so you know that was that was probably the the biggest response uh, that we saw. Um, another one that that is more more attributable, I would say, to COVID would be dry beans. Um, it seemed like everybody seemed to have a needed to have a few uh, bags of them in their in their cupboard, even if they didn't know how to cook them. Uh, everybody was stocking up on those. Uh, at, but at the time, we already knew that dry bean supplies would be tight, and then COVID added to that tightness. So you know, we saw some just amazing prices for for dry beans as well too, and, and that was more of a a North American picture, North American story. Okay. Um, I guess I just wanted to backtrack really quickly when you said, uh, you know, with India re-entering the uh, market again, um, were there any other kind of non-traditional pulse importing markets that started to increase their imports since March, either due to COVID or because India had re-entered the market? Well, I think there were. Um, you know, when when we look at, again, when we look at lentils, um, there are there are a few key markets that we always tend to focus on, uh, and of course India is the largest one. But then there are countries in um, in the Middle East. So you have Egypt, you have uh, the UAE, you have uh, Turkey as well too in those markets. Uh, but it's it's more those smaller buyers uh, that were that were that were picking up um, just a little bit more. So in some cases you would see more product going to Philippines, or you'd see, um, you know, a few here and there to other parts of Africa. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, anyone in particular that, that kind of stole the show. Uh, it was, it was small amounts of incremental volumes uh, to a, to a broader array. So they may have been small buyers before. Now they became medium sized buyers. Uh, and so it's, um, you know, there were there was just a, a whole lot of, of that kind of business going on. How is production looking for some of the other pulse producing areas of the world, like the U.S., South America, Australia, and the Black Sea region? Sure. Well, we yeah, we'll need to break that down a little bit by by <laughs> type. So, in terms of like the U.S., uh, their acreage of uh, their production of. Um, of green lentils, they produce of lentils. They mainly greens, medium, mainly medium greens. Uh, they increase their acreage of those, uh, and and so that crop will be larger. Um, their pea crop will be smaller though than than in previous years. So um, we'll see a little more uh, competition from them on the green lentil side of the market. And again, they'll be trying to get into India, although the U.S. faces higher tariffs going into India. So they may be looking more at the European market or South American markets um, for, as competition for green lentils. Um, in terms of peas, they really don't um, mo- they don't move a whole lot um, into China at all. So they're not a, a competitor there. Uh, and again, it's more related to green peas on that uh, for the pea market um, into places like South America and uh, you know a few other of the of the smaller buyers there. Uh, in terms of South America, probably the crops to watch uh, would be the Argentina crop uh, for both uh, chickpeas and for dry beans, and both of those have suffered considerably from drought. So um, Argentina will send dry beans into other countries in South America. Uh, they're going to have a lot smaller supplies this year, uh, and that would be black beans and some some white alubia beans. 
uh, into surrounding countries. Uh, so that may provide some more opportunities. Um, and then also on the chickpea side, uh, you know, they're they're a, a key exporter of kind of medium caliber uh, Kabuli chickpeas, and uh, they're going to have a whole lot less of that available. Um, Australia, you know, they've actually they've finally had a year of of decent rainfall, so they've had two years of uh, of drought, and in some cases three years of drought, and uh, so they will be um, they're they're coming back with a bigger crop of of lentils, uh, not so much peas, but a bigger crop of chickpeas. They grow mostly desi chickpeas, and so they'll have considerably bigger crops there, and and they tend to mainly target South Asia. So India, but also surrounding uh, neighboring countries of India as well too, that are sizable consumers of uh, red lentils and of um, and of desi chickpeas. Um, they also have a, a fairly a, a sizable jump in their fava bean crop. So they are. Um, I'm trying to think if they're the largest exporter. I believe they are of fava beans. Um, and again, targeting you know some of the same areas that we are. In this case, it would be Egypt. And so they will have a sizable increase of that. And so that way on the export side of the fabric market anyway. Uh, so that's that there, that's that uh, issue. Uh, the Black Sea region, there there are a few uh, concerns as well too, uh, largely related to drought. So earlier they had expected a, an increase in pea production in both Russia and Ukraine. Now the, the latest estimates are that they'll be looking at smaller crops than last year. So into places like Pakistan and, um, well, not India anymore, but but some of those areas, uh, they also tend to ship a lot of their peas into Western Europe for the feed market. And so volumes uh, from that region of peas will be smaller. Um, we're also hearing that uh, we've, in the past, we've been hearing Kazakhstan raising its lentil production and, and becoming a bigger competitor well, this year they've had a, a, some serious crop shortfalls there, so they're going to be less of a competitor of lentils uh, into, again, North Africa, Turkey, uh, those destinations. So they're not going to have as much uh, to produce and sell into that area. Um, and what's the last one I'm thinking of? Uh, chickpeas, uh, Russian chickpeas, they tend to be a large supplier. They've been exporting um, multiple tens of thousands of tons a month. Um, in of, of smaller caliber chickpeas into places like Pakistan, and that has really hurt us. I think this year their crop again might be a bit smaller, so they'll have less available to compete uh, with us. But it's um, uh, it's still going to be uh, a bit of an issue in terms of trying to sell Canadian chickpeas into into South Asia. So basically, you see that demand could be pretty sustainable for Canadian pulses as we head into the fall and winter here. Then, yeah, I think so. You know, part of the part of the issue is we've had this extremely strong movement to start off the year, and and some of that is related to these countries simply restocking their shelves because they were on low, on quite low supplies at the toward the end of 2019-20. But beyond that, and, and particularly for peas, uh, China has been growing its demand and its business uh, year year after year after year, and so it's um, that that to me is is definitely sustainable. There's always a bit of a risk with geopolitics in China, but uh, that one to me seems seems uh, very sustainable. Uh, and 
in India as a lentil buyer, I think will also be uh, fairly sustainable. Uh, they have just dropped their tariff back down to uh, 10%. It went up for about two weeks. It went from 10% up to 30%, and now it's back down to 10%. And uh, so that's causing some uh, some whiplash in the market and some and some difficulties. But um, you know, if they're if they're winter crop, which they start planting in November, if there are any concerns there, uh, they may be into the market in a in a bigger way, uh, not just for lentils. Uh, it is even possible that it would probably take some crop problems there. It is possible that they could start re-importing or start importing again um, uh, peas as well too. So I wouldn't want to bet on that, but it's uh, it's a possibility anyway. You, you definitely took that next question uh, right right from me and answered it already. So, um, well, with respect, you're thinking about with respect to uh, to India and their tariffs. Um, you know, I, there are a couple of thoughts though that that I have with respect to that. The, this latest drop in tariff again to 10% has a deadline of October 31st, and they announced it in the middle of September. That makes it extremely difficult to get Canadian lentils into India in time to hit that October 31st deadline. So there's a lot of risk for exporters who want to try and capture that business um, to be able to hit that uh, just because of the shipping times and and so on to get the lentils into that market. Uh, so there is some, some reluctance on the part of exporters to really uh, jump all over that. Uh, some may be betting on the fact that India will extend that deadline again beyond October 31st, uh, in which case, yeah, then then we'd be able to get a lot more of these lentils, uh, these freshly harvested lentils, into India. Um, but uh, but again, it's a it's a bit of a dicey situation. Uh, the other possible source would be Australia, uh, but they're starting to run lower on their old crop supplies as well too, and their new harvest really won't become available till I would guess somewhere in December or maybe even into January. So they're they're not able to really hit this October 31st deadline either. So if if neither country can really capitalize on that and we are the two large suppliers of red lentils, um if neither of our these two countries can capitalize on that, that tells me that India may need to extend that deadline again. Um, in which case, you know, if we have lentils on ships already, you know, they could they could get into India yet under that lower tariff. Um, and but here's the here's the thing is that even before this Indian tariff, they dropped it back down to 10 percent. Um, prices here for green lentils and red lentils were already starting to turn higher. So that tells me that it isn't all related. This, this latest bounce that we've seen in lentil prices is related not just to Indian demand, but demand coming from a broader number of countries. So that's, a, that's quite a positive uh, signal uh, in my mind. Okay, thanks for that, Chuck. Uh, the next question I wanted to ask you is just what opportunities do you think the market will present for pulse growers in this year? And are there any things that they should be watching for? Well, yeah, I, you know, in in any any time when you have a rally, you know, we're I, w- I would consider that we're we're already rallying from the harvest lows, uh, and so anytime you you have this type of a rally, there's this 
there's this uh, mindset that can creep in and it's not a farmer thing it's a you know if we're buying stocks in tesla or whatever whatever it happens to be when the market starts to rally the the mindset starts to shift from um you know what what's a good price that i need to make a profit on my crop uh, it shifts from that to okay how high is that price going to get and can i hit that high um and that's that's a risk um, you know i'm not saying that you know that farmers shouldn't be holding on you know to at least a good chunk of their crop into later in the year um but to but to shift from a, a risk management or a profitability kind of a mindset to a uh, trying to hit a home run uh, mindset, uh, that's a little bit of a risk. And, uh, you know, you can, you can wait too long uh, for, you know, to try and, to try and get that, that high price. And, and the, you know, the, the other truth is that you only know when the high price was after it's passed. Um, so there really is no, you know, there's no way that you can say, okay, now I know that that's going to be the high price. You only can look back and go, that was the high price. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a little bit of a, I would say, um, you want to stick to some marketing basics and, and make sure that, you know, have your profitability covered first and then leave some of the crop uh, for, you know, trying to, trying to, to nail a high price or, you know, get the coffee shop uh, bragging rights or, or you know whatever it is um so so that's that would be you know i think if if that's the that's the market the other thing that we'll be watching very carefully as we do every year is uh, what happens with the indian uh, planting of their winter crop um because that's when they plant things like peas and lentils and chickpeas so that usually starts in november and they've had some pretty heavy rains across fairly large, large parts of the country leading up into that. So through August and, and into September have been some pretty heavy rains, which generally is positive uh, for that winter crop because they'll have good soil moisture. So that's that's what we're going to be watching for uh, to see what, what goes on that way. Um, then the only other, well, not the only other risk, but you know, one of the other main risks is geopolitics. So as we've seen with the Indian government, you know, making you know very you know very um sudden changes in its import policies um that can catch people off guard um and then china we rely on china so heavily for our p exports um you know we want to we want to you don't want to count on that as being an absolute certainty that it'll continue to buy at those um at the volumes that they've been buying at before because we look at what happened in the canola market and so you know want to you want to market a little bit cautiously uh, because of those uh, those risks i suppose okay well i think that kind of covers a lot of the questions that we had for you today chuck so i just wanted to thank you again for joining us you're very welcome thanks for tuning into the pulse of the prairies podcast join us next time as we talk about root rot during the 2020 growing season and how growers can manage risk in fields heading into the 2021 season. For more Pulse Market Outlook information, visit the Resources section of the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers website at saskpulse.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.